Today I want to bring you a special message because it talks about the compassion of Jesus. No one had as much compassion as Jesus did. People that were rejected by others were always accepted by Christ. And I want you to see today with open hearts and open ears and open eyes that those that Jesus loves, he loves you the very same way. He really does. And you might feel that there are certain aspects of life where you've been rejected. I want you to know something, that the Lord is reaching out to you, and he was he is there for you. And he's calling out to you today, and he wants to draw you close and have a beautiful personal relationship with you. So let's listen very carefully, and let's see the heart of Jesus as he reaches out to those that no one else would. We've been noting some things about Jesus because... We want to know him. We want to know him as much as we can. So I thank you for coming to church as often as you do to get to know the Lord. We began this journey with a series called Let's Meet Jesus Again. And uh, we watched him in action when he called his disciples into ministry with him. He went to a wedding. And what he did at the wedding, he had a strange conversation with a Pharisee, Nicodemus, and told him about spiritual birth and how important that is to be born of God, to be born again. He hosted a huge picnic. Over 5,000 people came to that picnic that day, and they had leftovers. Wow. And there was so much more that Jesus did that we looked at in that series. And then we heard some things that Jesus said, and it made us ask the question, Jesus said, what? Yeah, he said some pretty profound things. One thing he said was, greater is the one who serves than the one who is served. That's pretty unique. He even tells us he's getting married. Jesus said, I'm getting married. And he is. Guess what? He's marrying us. Then he said, I'm coming back. And we spent some time looking at the return of Christ and some end times events. And perhaps one of the greatest things he ever said He said to someone in their sin, and he said to them, your sins are forgiven. And some people around did say, Jesus said, what? He said, your sins are forgiven. Only God can forgive sin. That's right. And I'm God, and I can forgive sin. He said so much more, too, in that series. Today we begin another new series about Jesus. We go from Jesus said what to Jesus touched who? He's going to touch some people. And in this series, we're going to see some people that Jesus touched that no one else would or no one else could. They wouldn't want anything to do with these people. But Jesus did. So it's in Matthew chapter 1, verse 8. And the chapter begins with a common sight. When Jesus came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. Why did so many people follow Jesus? There were always crowds following him. Because they liked the things that he said. Jesus said things that gave the people hope. There were times when he was done speaking and they said, Wow, never did any man speak this way. And the Bible says the crowds were astonished amazed at what he said, but also the way he said it. 
Oh, when Jesus spoke, he believed every word. He just finished three chapters of speaking that we know as the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Now he's coming down from the mount. But the people want more. I like that. The people want more. He just spoke for three chapters, nonstop. And he's leaving. It's like he's leaving church. <laughs> the people are following him. We want more church. They didn't look at their watches in those days. Like today, we look at our watches. Is this guy done yet? But they followed Christ. And when he was done speaking and he walked away, they kept going. Why? Because they wanted more. In verse 2, someone was following Jesus that other people thought shouldn't be following him. You know that goes on today? People might look at somebody in church and say, what are you doing here? Why are you in church? You're wicked. You're a sinner. you got problems. What are you doing in church? You can't go to church. That's the whole point of why we go to church. So this guy's following Jesus, but people are thinking, no, you shouldn't be following Jesus. So in verse 2, a leper came to him, and he bowed down before him. Now, leprosy, oh, it was a hideous disease. One person says it's a disease in which a man dies by inches. Slow. It's a slow death. It just eats away at you. It's a decaying of the body. The skin forming ulcers with a progressive loss of the fingers and the toes. Another suffering that it made was a social and religious outcast that the person became. Couldn't be around people. Couldn't go to church. Couldn't go to synagogue. You had to be isolated. The, 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 disease, the disease of leprosy became a symbol of the disease of sin. Sin eats our soul. And it banishes us from God. Sin is a leprosy of the heart. So the man comes out from the crowd. They're all coming down the mountain after Jesus is done with the Sermon on the Mount. And he's in the crowd, but not in it, because he's going to be socially distanced. He comes down from the crowd that's following, and he says, Lord, if you are willing, oh, you can make me clean. Three things about this leper. Number one, he came to Jesus with confidence. I like that. He came with confidence. You know, no man with leprosy would ever approach a rabbi in those days. He'd be driven away. If there was a rabbi on the street and a leper came up to him, that rabbi would either run or he'd call someone and say, get this guy away from me. He'd drive him away. Why? We don't want to be around lepers. Jesus this man approached Jesus with great confidence. He knew in his heart Jesus would not drive him away. Because he came to more than a rabbi. came to Jesus. Oh, Jesus is more than a rabbi. He's God incarnate. Secondly, he came with humility. 
He didn't demand anything from Jesus. He wasn't like the so-called healers today. They command healings in the name of God. He wasn't like that. He was very humble. He said, if you are willing. He put his life in Jesus' hands. He said, I'm going to present my life to you. If you're willing, you'll heal me. If you're not, whatever. I'd hope you're willing, but I'm going to leave it up to you, Lord. In this man, we see the humble heart that approaches Christ, that finds its way to Christ. You know, only a humble heart can find its way to Christ. Proud heart can't. A proud heart can't find its way to Jesus Christ. They might be the nicest person in the whole world, but their, proud, their pride will prevent them from coming to Christ, from finding Christ. It takes great humility to come to Jesus, to say, because when I come to Jesus, what I'm saying is, I need help. I need healing of my heart. I have sin. I need forgiveness. I need salvation. I need a divine perspective toward life. So it's an act of humility when we come to Christ. And then thirdly, when he came to Jesus, he came with reverence. He bowed down before him. He knew that he was in the presence of someone divine. He saw Jesus unlike other rabbis. He knew what many still have yet to learn. To be in the presence of Jesus is to be in the presence of God. Even today, people need to learn that. To be in the presence of Jesus Christ is to be in the presence of God. I like to visit churches, and there's a lot of good churches that preach the word. But churches are changing. They're changing. Things are happening. And sometimes I visit some churches, and I don't feel like I'm in the presence of God. I don't. It's just, I feel like I'm in an extension of what goes on in the world, but there's Jesus posters. And it's Jesus' music, but it's not worship. And it's Jesus' talk, but it's not worship. And the subject is Jesus, but it's not edifying and lifting up the name of Christ. There's something happening in the church today where I think worship is missing. Where it's, they don't realize that they're in the presence of God. The presence of God is very humbling. It's not arrogant. You're not arrogant and prideful when you know you're in the presence of God. You're humbled like this man. He bowed down. He came down and prostrated himself because he knew. He knew where Jesus as God is because Jesus is God. And then it happened. Jesus did something <laughs> no one else would do. No one in the world would do what Jesus is about to do. In verse 3, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. What? He stretched out his hand and touched him. He touched the one that no one else would. No one would touch this man. 
No one on the face of the planet except maybe Mother Teresa. But she wasn't there. That'd be about it. This is a picture of Jesus stretching out his hands to be nailed to the cross. He placed himself in a vulnerable position. You know, he could have contracted the disease. Medical professionals would say Jesus put himself at great risk by coming in contact with leprosy. Jesus stretched out his... I can, I can think of three things or three instances where Jesus stretched out his arms. One, when he healed the leper, he stretched out to touch him. Two, when he prayed to his father. He would raise his arms and stretch out his arms to heaven and pray to the Father. And thirdly, he stretched out his arms when they nailed him to the cross and he was crucified. Stretched him out. And every time he stretched out his arms, it wasn't for him. It was for someone else. Never for him. Always for him. Always for a sick person or his father, or all the people in the world for the sins of the world. The Apostle Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that he, speaking of God the Father, made him, God the Son, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. God the Father placed let's say, the leprosy on Jesus. He took it off us. He put it on his son. He made him who didn't have leprosy to have leprosy. Him who knew no sin to have sin on our behalf. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. He took it off us by putting it on himself. Hebrews 4.15 says that we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, that means that we do have a high priest who can sympathize with our weaknesses. But he's been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. So why is it Jesus could touch this leper when no one else would? Because he sympathized with his affliction. He saw a man through no fault of his own, whose body was decaying a little bit more every day. He saw a man through no fault of his own who couldn't go downtown and shop when people were there. He saw a man who couldn't go to the temple. He couldn't go to the synagogue. He couldn't have any friends. He couldn't have a life. He's completely isolated. And Jesus could sympathize with that. And you know what? If he can sympathize with him, he can sympathize with you. He can sympathize with me. He can sympathize with our feelings and our struggles and our trials and tribulations. Don't ever commit the sin of doubting God's care and God's compassion. People do. Tired of hearing it. Tired of hearing Christians say they've got complaints about God because they don't feel good. That's why we have the cross. That's the reminder. It's all about the cross. Take away the cross, fine. Close the church. We'll put slot machines in here. But because of the cross, 
That's our hope. That's everything. So we have a high priest who can identify with every feeling that we have. Therefore, let us huh, draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace in time of need. That's what the man with leprosy did. He drew near. He didn't run away. He drew near. People said, you can't go near him. He went. The religious system said, you can't go near him. He went. Whoever told him he couldn't go to Jesus, he, he ignored it. Why? Because no one has the right <clears throat> to tell anyone they can't go to Jesus. No one. The invitation goes out to the whole world. So who is anybody to stop somebody from coming to Christ? And somebody's personal condition or situation has nothing to do with stopping them from coming to Christ. No one is unworthy enough to come to Christ. No one is. Matter of fact, the more unworthy we are, the faster we should get there. You go running to Jesus if you feel unworthy, because that's who he is. That's what he does. He's the healer of the heart. So the man said, if you're willing, I'm not going to command you. If you're willing, I know you can make me well. Jesus said, I am willing. I am. Be cleansed. Boom! Immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. Immediately, just like that. That's something. That's how long salvation takes. Boom! You hear the gospel, you accept Christ as Savior. Boom! That's it. You're there. Totally forgiven. Totally healed. Totally washed clean. That's how fast. It's not a process. Salvation isn't a process. It's an immediate action. Boom! Just like this man's healing. Jesus did two things. Number one, he did for the man what no other man could do or would do. If it wasn't for Jesus, this guy would live and die in his condition. He did what no one would do and what no one could do. Secondly, he did for the man what no man couldn't do for him. Even if somebody wanted to help this man, they didn't have the means, the ability. There was no way. Somebody could have said, oh, I pity this guy. Let me, what can I do? Nothing. See, the sin situation can only be remedied by Christ. And that's what people need to understand. Oh, especially people that go to church. Religious people. Because being good, giving money, being faithful doesn't save you. Accepting Christ saves you. Accepting the Lord Jesus as your Savior, that's what deals with the sin issue. Nothing else. There's nothing you can do. You can't go to church enough times in a day to be saved. You can't give enough money to the church to be saved. You can't serve in enough capacities. Why? Because there's nothing you can do. Just like if somebody wanted to help the leper, they don't have any ability. They couldn't, even if they wanted to. That's why Jesus steps up. I'll do it. I can do for you what you can't do for you. 
I'll make you clean. I'll wash you. I'll make you perfect. I'll make you beautiful in my sight. And only Jesus can do that. So in verse 4, Jesus said to him, after he touched him and he healed him, See that you tell no one, but go, show yourself to the priest and present the offering that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. <laughs> Jesus said, tell no one what I did for you. You think like, well, wait a minute. When somebody's trying to develop a following, they normally want everybody to know what they're doing. Right? That's the human existence, right? You do something. Why? To get more people. That's how these fads blow through town every once in a while. We've had these fads come through the Christian church over the last 20 years. And, 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 and people were publicizing all these things that were going on to draw people to the church. Oh, go to this church. Everybody's being healed. Boom, everybody goes to that church. No, no, go to this church. Everybody's fallen down in the presence of God. Boom, everybody goes to that church. Oh, no, go to this church. Everybody's barking like a dog and roaring like a lion. Boom, everybody goes to that church. That scared me away. Never mind go to that church. If I wanted that, I'll go to Rod Williams Park Zoo. I'll look at some real lions, not that baloney. So whatever man does, he does it to draw attention and get a following. <laughs> so I like Jesus. He healed this guy. No one could. He said, shh, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody what I did for you. Wow. Why do you do that? Because probably it would be premature for the notoriety of Jesus to spread across the land. The people were hoping for the next leader to free them from the Romans. They didn't like the Romans. The Romans were oppressive. They were bullies. They didn't like the Jewish people. The Jewish people didn't like them. The Jewish people were being occupied by the Romans. And they were looking for someone that could lead a rebellion, a revolt. That was the picture of their Messiah. Someone that's going to free us from Rome. You know what they weren't thinking? Someone that's going to free us from sin. Uh, they weren't thinking that. They were more about being free from Rome. So Jesus said, he was afraid, like on Palm Sunday. Remember when he rode into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday? They were laying down palm branches and their robes and beach blankets and all kinds of stuff for the donkey to walk on because they thought, this is the Messiah. Hosanna in the highest. Here's the one. Oh, yeah. He's going to show those Romans. What a surprise when he turned himself in and they crucified him. What a surprise that was to them. But it was an even bigger surprise when he rose from the dead. I thought that was pretty good. So we said, listen, don't tell anybody what I've done, but you got to go to the priest. you got to go show yourself to the priest. Because the Bible tells us in Leviticus 14, this was the law. Thus, or this shall be the law of the leper in the days of his cleansing. He shall be brought to the priest. And what does the priest do? The priest would examine the man, and then he would allow him, he would give, maybe give him a document or make a proclamation that he was free and clear to re-enter society. 
And the man would bring an offering, a dove offering or something. And, but the priest could make an official proclamation, you're healed. You can go to church. You can go to Market Basket. You can go to the movies. You can live life. You can get back. You can be normal again. And only the priest could do that. You know, to a good doctor, a man sick with a loathsome, a loathsome disease is not a disgusting sight. You know, there are sights, sometimes if I see a, a, a show on TV and there's like a serious wound or something, I'm like, oh, I can't even look at that. I hate the sight of blood, especially my own. So, but there are doctors, when they see that, it's like, they're not bothered by it. Why? Because they know, here's a human being that needs my skill, that needs my ability. See, they know their calling. When you know your calling, what might bother someone else doesn't bother you. Because you know your calling. And your calling is to remedy that kind of situation. Jesus was the divine physician. He came to heal the Son of Man. He wasn't abhorred by it. He was moved with compassion to it. That's how Jesus saw our sin. You know what our sin did? It motivated. It inspired God to send his son. God didn't say, oh, the world is in sin. I abhor the world. I'm going to destroy it once and for all. He didn't. He remedied the situation by sending his son. You know, maybe we're like that leper. And uh, we were without help, without hope, just like the leper was. But as Jesus came and changed that leper's life, so he does for us. And Jesus was the only one who could change that leper's life. And so it is with us. No one can change our lives. No one can give us hope and give us eternal life like Jesus Christ. And the stories of the Gospels, which are more than stories, they're real-life accounts, that show us about the love of God. That show us that, yes, He means business with sin and with us. Oh, this is one of those accounts in the ministry of Jesus that just makes you think about how, de how deep his love really is and how he would go beyond what anyone else could to help us. Oh, believe on the Lord Jesus if you never have before. Be forgiven and be saved. Come into a beautiful relationship with God. Thanks for listening to New Hope Radio today. Really dwell on these things. Send me an email if you like the teachings. Newhoperadio7 at gmail.com.